Oh, they're blasphemous. Yeah, it's, it's really edifying the devil. Yes. The the oh, there's no doubt that there's, that there's popular songs. Still with heaven. How many years that thing played on the radio? Yeah. Every time the old the goodies is on nine times. What is it? It's nothing but a devil worship song. What a song about um, the Beatles did. Um, hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a new song, you know, and let it get under your skin. Song about drugs. What's child of God got doing this is songs about drugs and getting high? You see what I'm saying? If you want to, you can do anything you want to in Christ. But don't, don't you understand? Here's the bottom line. You know what God said? God said this. I am going to set for you riches and glory beyond imagination. The contingency of you getting it is how separated life you live for me. The word is consecration. I was afraid you might not know it, or you might not know it. How consecrated, how set apart you want to be for me. Now I'm not talking about not dancing. I'm not talking about not going to movies. That is, that is worldly separation, and who cares? I'm talking about a man living his life out of the world, like they did back in Nehemiah. Sit down, put sackcloth on, put that on your head and confess your sin and confess your sin and read your Bible and then confess your sin the other half of the day. That's consecration. And God blesses consecration. My uncle told me when I left Denham Den. I said, hey, you're my pastor. Why don't you come put your toe in my behind and tell me to get out of there? I was mad at him. Why you let me stay in that hellhole for those four years or whatever it was? He said, well, Dave, it's just all a matter of how consecrated you'll be with God. And again, now, and I see the wisdom that he had in it, but if I were the pastor of the kid, I'd go to the kid and say, you know you're wrong. And you know you're missing things in heaven. And you know you're destroying your life, and you're going to reap consequences because you reap what you sow. And if you sow the flesh, you reap destruction. If you sow the spirit, you reap everlasting. And I wish he had said to me four years earlier, I was saving a lot of grief and a lot of hard work and about $50,000. I don't know. I may have. With the upbringing my mom had given me, I may have listened. I may have. I don't know. But you know what my problem was? Honestly, that is my witness. You know what my problem was? I was a worldly Christian and did something wrong with the world and Christianity merging. I had all the Christian rock songs. I had records, Jesus Christ, J.C. Power Outlet. Jesus! Jesus! Oh, I love you, Jesus. And that's what I did. So you know what happened? I was a sucker for the world's music. And it sucked me in, and it cost me six wasted years that I won't get in heaven. And I resent that. I resent it. I don't know. But I resent it, because I, I was going through looking at that Rest of album, it's like my mom's, my mom's records, it's got a whole stack of records, and I ran through a couple of songs. Barry McGuire, oh, he's singing with his guitar. I got one song by a guy named Randy Matthews. This guy named Randy Matthews, this guy, I, if you had a beard, you couldn't tell him the girl. Hair down to his butt, and a beard down to here, and he was, in fact, I've seen him on TV since then at the Grammys about a year ago. How much you love Jesus Christ, you know, the second music. That's a different story. And the guy says, 
When I got saved, he had a real rough voice. When I got saved, I went to my old Baptist preacher and I said, Preacher, I found out what I want to do. I'm going to sing rock and roll for Jesus. And, and then your preacher said, Rock and roll is of the devil. And he said, I didn't know that. And all the it's a live concert and all the people are laughing and he's making fun of it and he's doing all this stuff. All he's doing is dragging Jesus through the mud. I look back at those things and I get mad at me for being so gullible. That guy just took me by the nose and went where he wanted me to go. He did. Have a song about the crucifixion. Did they pound the spikes? Oh, they nailed him. Oh, that's what he did. And I said to him, oh, they nailed him. I'm a sucker. You're looking at the biggest dope around. I bought that garbage. So I got there and said, well, if I can listen to it here, listen to it. Let's just change the station over one dial. And it's the same thing, just change the words. So as I bought it, it cost me six years of my life and probably five or six million pounds of gold and about 47, 50 million looms of glory. What the heck, right? Wasted years. I'm not wasting a minute from here on out. Why didn't some youth pastor put his toe in my butt? You tell me why. Why didn't somebody get up and say, Dave, compromise with the world is wrong. You know what happened to me? I did not last about six or eight years of my life. I did not got hung up in alcohol and some things I got hung up in. And I'd have been pure, and if I'd have been pure, God could use me more now. But because I've got about six years of life where I was in sin, I have limited God using me. And I don't like that. And I resent the people in my path that let me do that. You see, you're getting emotional. Yes, I am. We're talking about my rewards in heaven. So when I had my youth department, I told my kids, you play with that stuff now, and you play with your freedom in Christ, fine. The friends you're playing with fire. It's the old same type thing. The marijuana cigarette leads to harder things, and it does. And it does. I'll tell you something, my friend. The people who believe in the integration of God and the world are the people who have the power of God in their lives and the people who are going to be that worldly contingent that are never going to come out among them and be ye separate, said the Lord, and touch not the same thing. I wouldn't even sing the ditties in my youth department in Kansas City. I wouldn't sing the little, the little ditties that all the youth like to sing. You know, you've all heard them all. You know, all the little amazing grace. How's it go? Cool, cool song. Um, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Say they're wretched like me. That's, that's me. That's blasphemy. That's casting purple in swine. It is. Now you may say it's not. That's between you and God. And we're actually between me and God. <laughs> so if we disagree, they're fine. I'm not going to fight you over it. I won't hate you over it. I'll love you and I'll pray for you. And you pray for me. Whichever one of us is gray, we will become black or white. Doesn't make any difference. I'm not going to separate brothers over that. But all I know one thing is the mentality of amazing grace to Coca-Cola cost me six wasted years. 
And if some youth pastor would have gotten up when I was 14 or 15 and got my head straight and taught me what the Bible says that music is to bring glory to God and nothing short of it, then I wouldn't have lost six years of my life and I wouldn't own a jeans store with KY104, with a Q104 van sitting in front of our store and a DJ spinning records in the back giving away t-shirts and rock and roll albums. And give the church $10,000 to do it. But I did it. Mike Abraham, from 86 99, wasted years and no record of it. I'm like the children of Israel and judges. 93 years, God doesn't count. That's me. From 19, about 1974 up to about 1979, I guess, something like that. Started in high school, went all the way through. Lost it. I carried my Bible in, in junior high. I mean, I was, I remember my sophomore year in high school on the football team, and I was into the Christian, Christian scene, you know. Went to the Bible studies and the prayer meetings. I was into that stuff. And I had a cross. Remember my football coach my sophomore year said, what, I had a logging chain on my neck. It was a big gold, those big gold body chains. I mean, the links I think were an inch across. And I had a wooden cross about this big. And I carried a great big open Bible on top of my books everywhere I went. And I was a testimony. And I thought I was doing right. Oh, had the old long hair and had the big thing. I was just riding with the Jesus people. Remember a song, a group up in Kansas City, Simple Truth. Ain't Jesus good, don't you know? I mean, just ride along with the whole thing. So I went through that thing, went through that thing. You know what happened? I was amalgamated with the world. So you know what happened? I couldn't hold it. You know why? Because the Bible says, come out from among them, and because I was among them, I couldn't hold it. And my junior year, and my senior year in high school, you know what I did to Jesus Christ? I did him despite. I drug his name through the mud. The teachers that watched me for the last six years of my life carried my Bible, my big cross around my neck, saw me my senior year, not carrying my Bible, not doing those things. You know what I did to them? I had a whole school, right down high school, saw David Bennett drag Jesus Christ through the mud and said, he's a hypocrite. You know why I did that? Because nobody told me, get out of the world, son. It's okay. Combine them. Don't hurt anything. Hmm. Hmm. The Bible says God's holy. The word holy means separate. Let me ask you a question. Why does God, who's been here forever, have to be trendy and go with the trends of the world? But every time there's a new trend, you hear it come up in Christianity. Do you know why? The bottom line is dollars. You can't sell Christian records to kids who are listening to secular rock and roll unless it sounds like rock and roll. That's why. I have, ever since I bought my car, Wayne March, I have been looking for some good conservative music to praise God by, and I've been to every bookstore in the Missouri side of Kansas City, and I have not found the tape yet. You know why? They won't sell. Just like your new King James Bible. It's on the market to make Thomas Melson a fortune. So you know what happens? Our kids 
they listen to the music, and they're not taught separation. You know what they do? Oh, I hear something over here I like too, and then they're walking right in the amalgamation. And there's no divide. You know what, you know, you know what God thinks about it? Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. That's what the Bible teaches. Every place you find it in Scripture, God's drawing lines. There is no fence straddlers in this man's war. Where God teaches it. You know what they did when they when they did it? Children of Levi took swords and killed three thousand men that day. They didn't cross the line. <laughs> They sucked up the water, a little gold, gold calf in it. It's great. You ever have a cold gold calf in water? It's great. <laughs> Six in your teeth, really a lump going down. That first gulp's not bad, but boy, after that, it kind of hangs up in the throat. Amen? Am I communicating to you tonight? My purpose is not to give you any convictions. They're not convictions. I will not die for music. <laughs> I don't care. Between you and God. All I'm telling you, my friend, is when a man plays with fire, he gets burned. The book of Proverbs says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? No, he can't. And if you want to play with the world and you want your kids to play with the world, go right ahead and play with the world. But every time your young man or young lady is listening about sleeping with somebody and the acts they go through while they're sleeping, don't be surprised if he does it eventually. Amen? Am I right? Just like TV. Don't be surprised when you watch him every night on TV, crawling in the sack, doing all kinds of suggested things, and then don't be surprised when, you, when your husband, your son, or daughter's not a virgin when they get married. Don't be surprised. When you. What, the Bible says, out of the mouth proceeds the attitudes of the heart. And the Bible says, the eyes are the windows of the soul, and whatever goes in your eyes goes right here. And whatever's in here comes out right here. Soon I know from that, I can get around any man in this world, and I can be around him for 15 minutes, and I can listen to him talk, and I can tell you what he's about. You know why? Because I know the book of Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs plays every man down and pins him down. You get a man of God around, I watch, and this is not because Sam is here, I was with Sam yesterday at his house, and I watched him and all those little country boys. You know, I kept hearing come up, the ministry, the church, the word, the ministry, the church. He could talk about hogs. He could have ducked the issue, couldn't he? Couldn't you, brother? In fact, it'd been easier. You were the host. He got invited in the church. I don't say that because he's here. I say that because it's a, it, it proves what I'm saying. Would you have done that six months ago? What did you talk about six months ago? No <laughs> You know why? You know what's been going in the eyes? What? What's it done? And what have you done in the process? Come out of the world, haven't you? Now let me say this to you. You may disagree with what I've said, but I promise you, when you've had, had as, and I don't say this to brag, but when you've got as many hours in your knees with this book as I've got, and if you, when you do that, honestly before God, then you come talk to me, and if you've not changed, I'll reconsider my position. See what I'm saying to you? The more you know God, the more you separate. That's the Bible principle. What happened with Moses when he came out of the mountain? 
They had to put a bag over his head. They couldn't look at him. He showed like the sun, so they had to put a veil over his face. You know what happens when you get with God? You start shining. And you leave the world, and you live on a mountain. What did God tell the children of Israel to do when they went to the promised land? Do not marry any of the other people. Do not do anything with them except murder them. Remember this morning, the doctrine of Balaam, Revelation chapter 2? The doctrine of Balaam is marrying, letting your sons marry the world. That is the doctrine of Balaam in a nutshell. See you know what I do? Bring our teenage kids in here, and I bring them in here and, and expose them to Christian rock or whatever the thing is now. And what happens? I am helping them marry the world. I'm, in, I'm introducing them to their future bride. I'm not going to be part of it. Questions, suggestions, criticisms. Now, let me, let, me, let me tell you this. I do not mean to I use the name only to give you understanding. The holiness denomination, which you all know of, that is where their downfall has come in the fact that they have said, no dresses, I mean, no pants, no long hair, no TV, no dancing, no movies. You know what you do? You know what the Book of Romans teaches? When there's law, there's rebellion. That's Bible. We had it yesterday. We told all of them. No, no beer. beer. <laughs> no alcohol in my premises. There is no. Like Sam said he fucked his head all the time. I said, get it out of this house. Amen. <laughs> well, it didn't last long either, you notice. It's only about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And I got it. No, that's a typical situation for daughter's wedding reception. It really is. Yeah. It was already there when I got there. Yeah. I know. Well, now, understand, when, if, you want, if you want to snip things in the bud, you can start by letting them know, know the information and let them know. Now, each situation is different, but I firmly believe you've got to lay some laws down. I firmly believe you've got to say, friend, anything you want to do is up between you and God. If, if your son is old enough, anything you want to do between you and God, put them out of my house. I say no. Those people who are not smoking my car, people who are not smoking. I don't have anybody around me to smoke for so long. I don't really know. But I don't know people smoking my house. I don't allow it. I just don't do it. My, my, uh, my uncle smokes. 
and he gets around Jonathan occasionally. And Jonathan look at that thing and watch it burn. Now they're good people. You look at that thing and just watch that thing burn and kind of go, you know. And of course they try to hide it. They put him around behind them and they put him out and they try to be real nice because they don't want to corrupt my little boy, you know, because they know what we believe what we stand for. But yeah, understand lies don't do anything. It's like Mel Sabaka said. You're gonna hear this on one of these tapes. You don't change morality by legislating it. You don't pass laws to make people moral. You put the legislator in the heart. Then they change. So what we got to do is get the young men and ladies saved. Once we get them saved, we need to get them in here and disciple them in the Word of God. You know what the Bible says in 2 Peter? The Bible says, As sincere babes resides in sin of the Word, if so be you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, what I consider my ministry to be is tasting graciousness. Well, I hope we get this Bible study next Saturday night. I hope people come in and go, wow! And go, wow! That sits great! Which many of you did. And you know what happened? I want some more. And you start desiring the sincere milk of the Word. There's no other way. Now, let me say this to you very frankly. That won't happen on Sunday mornings, most likely. I've tried to make my message on Sunday morning very much enlightening, and this morning was an exception. I try to be very positive. I try to be very enlightening and very, very much edifying. But preaching is not going to do that. Neither is teaching. My experience has been that comes from Bible studies laying out something, and when somebody sees it, it's like a light comes on. And they go, wow! And you guys all been there, ain't you? Ha ain't you? Haven't you? <laughs> you, you remember the first time you saw that and you went, what happened? You then began a hunger for the Word. A little bit, and a little more, and the more you saw it, the more you hungered, and pretty soon it's going to be an obsession with you. And then you'll meditate day and night in the book. And the more you get in the book, the more you see the sin, the more you see the sin, the more you want to get away from it, the more you want to get away from it. I, I told you this, and maybe it may, may be a good time to apply it again. Terry Collins, you all know Terry. I've been discipling now the last two years. And Terry went through a time here a while back, and every Christian I've ever seen that gets serious does this. They come from the, they come from the place here, I can do this and do this with, with comprehension. They come, they come from the world toward God. And they reach a place where they see, come out among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And they see this thing where God has got to have, you've you got to live a certain life. You know what Terry said to me? He says, there I see in the Bible all this holiness and I don't see any Christians living it. Are we the only ones that live this? And they go clear over here. Legalism, freedom. And they come over here, and they live here for about six months or a year. And you got to be real careful. You got to tippy toe because you don't want to step. They don't go to movies. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't, they don't listen to. They don't watch TV. They don't do anything, and you just kind of tippy-toe on the lives, waiting for them to go out of the stage because you're afraid you're going to offend them. And you're just doing this thing all the time. 
And then, pretty soon, they start reading Galatians, and then they start to grow some more, and God says, now you can do anything you want to in Christ. Just don't use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. And there they go. Now, I don't say this if I say this is wrong, forgive me, Lord. Most holiness preachers, most legalistic Baptist preachers, and all the boys that lay down all the laws, quit right here. And they see, get get holy, and they stop, and they never go back to the freedom. That's what Jeff Howes is. No girls come to my activities when I pass. I don't care if the lost are saved. Boy, good luck winning them. And they go right here in legalism, law, legal. Not touching you, you're okay. You're okay. Get the haircut, son! But they do! I know you pastors that line them up before activities. I know you pastors that major the dresses at the knees. And they don't even know what they believe. You know what that is? That's law. What do you men do with laws? 56, 57 mile an hour? 58 mile an hour, 60, we rebel, don't we? They can't tell me to do that. I have my rights. Amen? So what do we do? I'm free, right? Now, so, so the thing being Christianity, people come out of the world and they see that thing. Now, here's the way to be it. Power of God. Own God. It's not so much anymore, but ten years ago, there was a war going on in Christianity between these two factors. And you may have been a part of that. That thing was magnanimous. In the 50s and the 60s, if your hair touched your ears, you were reprobate, hippie, fag, commie. But you were. And get out of church, you leftist pink old fag, is what they did. That's exactly what was going on. And then, of course, a lot of preachers who always taught freedom, remain freedom, and a lot of them just got liberal and changed with the times and got, was it Mel said Friday night, about getting hit, baby. And that's what, that's what preachers do. They get hit, baby. And they change with the times. I have been to youth seminars where they teach you if you don't change with your kids, you're going to lose your kids. You need to listen to the top ten records. You need to watch what they watch. You need to be interested in what they're going to do. No! I can take all the top ten, all the TV right here. Amen? Now, I'm not wrong being informed. But you know what I'm doing to them? I told your brother yesterday. You've got two choices. You can either, number one, set up a holy standard to live by, which the Bible does. Or number two, you can condescend to their level. You can go down to their level. You know what happens when you condescend to the kids' level? You have a fun and games ministry. You're there to make them happy and please the kids. Right? Those are the 22 possibilities in youth work. Believe me, I've spent a lot of time there, I know. 
course, youth work applies to parent, parent, parent work, too. Questions, comments? You throw out the tape, I will, if you want to ask a private question. Whatever, I have no problem. I just want to make sure we've covered some things that no one... got a question? No? Yes? Maybe? Possibly? You probably want to sleep on the floor. Well, the whole, the whole standard. standard? Yeah. I just didn't finish it. Well, what does the Bible say? Why does the Bible say you should live? Be holy for I am holy, said the Lord. Wherefore, come among them, be a touch of the unclean thing, and I receive you. See, sin is depicted by leprosy in the Bible. And leprosy is a skin disease that, 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 that grows and becomes eventually all over your entire body. And so when you get involved in that thing, it, um, it begins to take over. And... It's just like, oh, I had an illustration, I just lost it, uh, about, um, about if you, once you start playing with the thing, it gets holy and you can't get away from it. Let me, let me, let me just be very brutally frank with you tonight. And maybe you can relate, release this, re relate to this thing to some instance of, of time in your life. Have you ever noticed that many times in sin, once you go a certain level in sin, nothing else satisfies you anymore but that level? Am I communicating? whether it be uh, alcohol or a high or, or whatever, once you go a certain place in sin, anything less than that just doesn't come anymore. Aren't kids always looking for a bigger thrill? Always looking for a better high? It's that type of thing. Once a young person experiments with sex, nothing else will satisfy me anymore except going further. And that's the same type of thing here. If we, if we allow, if we, if we let our minds down and come to the place where we, where we condone sin and we condone worldliness, then our power's gone. Do you know what I really believe, and I, I don't know that I can dogmatically prove this to you from Scripture, there's a lot of things in the Bible you can't prove. You just, God shows them to you and you kind of get a glimpse of the thing. I almost believe that God's power is in His holiness. I almost believe that if God ever lost His holiness, God will lose His power. Now that's a big what if, I understand. But I really think that, that, that the reason God is almighty and omnipotent is because He is holy. Because every time you find holiness, you find power. You find awesomeness with holiness. You find great strength. So henceforth, we become worldly. Well, look, question. Look at the church. Look at the church today. What is it? It's worldly. Does it have power? No. It's obvious it doesn't have power as a whole. On the other hand, the churches that are hung up in legalism don't have power either. Why? Because they're hung up on laws and regulations and preaching on hair and movies and, and, and that type of thing. I, I went to a, 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 a large church you may know about up in Kansas City, and I had to buy this, this youth department to come on a retreat I had. And I had to just find Mike Metzger from New York to speak. And so we used to have a real military theme in our, in our departments. 
And so we went over there, we had, we called boot camp. We make our kids march to dinner and stand at attention and I'd inspect them and the best straightest line would win and we made them do maneuver. Just, it was a great dimension of the camps. So I took about eight or nine adults with me. We went to this church and this guy had a service that went during the main church service upstairs. And I got in there and we were all dressed up like GIs and fatigues and camouflage and go do a real big push. And we had a thing called pugil sticks that we used to fight with. Marine Corps pugil sticks we used to train hand-to-hand combat. And the kids just go ape over them. They loved to knock each other's heads off. We'd give them football helmets and Army or Marine Corps flak jackets to put on. And they couldn't hurt themselves. They could like gnash a finger or something, you know. But they just, they'd have a great time. We'd have duels, wait for a bayonet kill or a butt kill, you know, and I'd be the judge and blow the whistle and I was great. <laughs> So I go over and we did this little thing up there, and I was up there and I had these two guys fighting, you know, and, and had on my camouflage and everything. And I looked down, there's a pack of Marlboro cigarettes down there. And they were all tore up and twisted. And Jim, the dude that was standing there, I stepped back, my guy's face says, somebody lose their cigarettes? He said, no, I just preached about not smoking cigarettes. And that told me, I didn't know about Jim. Jim was of the mentality, it's wrong, thou shalt not smoke! type thing and attacking the problem and the problem is heart not knowing Jesus and that's the mentality now you take that mentality everywhere you want to you can get up and preach on rock and roll and the evils and it's the same thing as stopping on cigarettes don't do any good you know what you do you make them love Jesus Christ the music will leave the cigarettes will leave the booze will leave the sex will leave everything will leave and what will happen is you have a holy young man or a holy young lady that's the key now, my, our position right now is one of informing you. Like I said this morning, I believe there's two minds in the Bible. And many of you have been out in the world and you've had the world's mind for the last 30 years. And you've got, you've got some preferences. And those preferences may not align with the Word of God. Now, what that's called, that's going to be some difficult change. But if you're going to... Now, I, I told you... Everybody has their 30 pieces of silver. Everybody reaches that place where they say, uh-uh, Lord, you can't have that part of my life. Now, if anybody tonight has reached that place, then our church is going to be, is going to be crippled. Because where we're at right now, we need every one of us. Remember I talked to you this morning about getting prayers unanswered? If you don't obey all the counsel of God, your prayer is an abomination. God did a very firm principle in, you, in his word that music is to praise God. And if you're not going to, to give it all to Him, like worthiness, then you're going to be hindered. You're going to have a great Christian life. You can go right on. You can win people to Christ. But understand, God can only use you by the amount you yield yourself to Him. Okay? And God cannot stand worldliness or any 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 connotation with worldliness hear this god had everything running in order before the world was ever made he has no reason to change does he god is not trendy god is not hip god has been doing things from the eternity past the same way he never changes so henceforth god his standards never change we change because how the world changes. My Bible has never changed in 6,000 years. The songs in the Bible have never changed in 6,000 years. 
Amen? Have I been clear? I've attempted in love to be very concise tonight. Any questions, thoughts, comments? No? Are we done? We'll tackle Genesis chapter 6 Saturday night or something. And once again, I'm not telling you to go to trash your television. I'm not telling you to go pull the radio out of your dash. I'm just telling you to put up gold, silver, and precious stones in heaven, not wood, hay, and stubble. That's the bottom line. And if you're content with wood, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> but I'm not. Yeah. You know, you know something? There's a, there's a pastor that I would not tell you his name because you will know him and um, you're going to be re seeing him in the future. He and I were at a camp together one time and we spent the entire stinking night walking around that dumb camp talking. I mean, we started about 11 o'clock. We were worried about making sure the kids weren't sneaking out. And we walked and walked and walked and talked. And about 5.15, 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock, sun started coming up. You know, we had to get things ready to get the next day going. But he was of the, of the impression and of the persuasion that um, it didn't really matter what, what, what you did or what you thought, just so you had the right heart. He even made so much to make the statement, Dave, I could have married any of 1,000 or 10,000 women as long as she didn't violate any of the principles of Scripture. Now, I believe that God had Renee picked out for me years and years before I was ever born. You believe that, that God's specific like that? That God has a mate for me. He told me the same thing. He says, Dave, if I leave this church, I can go to any church in the country just so it's preaching the Bible. God does not have a particular place for me to go. That's like me saying, Lord, where should I start a church? Hell! Des Moines, <laughs> God wanted me here, didn't he? If I went to Nevada, I'd be out of God's will, wouldn't I? Now, you know what he taught? That's what he taught. That's what I was going to say. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was very ambiguous and, and, and very much didn't have anything to say about it. But, oh, I don't know what it was. Uh, you know what I found about him? Old Frank was a, uh, was a man that um, was raised in a Christian church, raised in a home, and he never got in the world. I mean, he was Joe Purity all the way up. Went out to Bible college out of high school, kissed his first girl when he was 22, that type of guy, you know? And you know what I've discovered? The guys that come out of a Christian home and never get in the world, they tend to be very liberal in their music, very liberal in their Christian music, very liberal in everything they look at towards Christianity. Guys like me who've been out there and been in the fire and got burned, I want no part of it. That was a very interesting contrast. You make the statement, I spent 38 years in it. You want no more of it, do you? You've had your fill of it. But if, but if Beverly came up through Christianity and never had it, she will tend to be more compromising. Why? Because she never got burned. See? And because there's gray there, she will go farther than I will because I know the damage done. I got a real good friend that I owe to Christ who's got two teenage sons. And he, uh, he's got the same problem. He was a pot smoker and a, and a partier and was into the rock and roll stuff and he can't stand it. And his kids are coming up in a Christian home in a Christian environment and they're going liberal now and he can't stand it. That's a perfect example. The kids have never known what it can do to them. 
the kids never understood the consequences of it, so therefore they listen to that stuff, and he abhors it. So, for what that's worth. Any other thoughts or questions, or should we call it to a close? No, it means God can use you more than he can use me, to the means. Luckily, I want to say this to you, luckily God kept me out of any kind of real problems. I look back at those years I was wayward, and I see where I could have just crashed, and God had his hand on me and kept me out of any real trouble. I have never been drunk. I've never done anything like that that would really hurt the cause of Christ. But it still has to limit my ministry somehow. See, and there's a wasted years. Oh, if somebody would have warned me when I was 16. You know? And see here again, my mom didn't know. Nobody ever taught her. She was a godly woman that, that tries, well, she knew about the rock and roll and she knew about all that stuff. She just, it, it grieved her a little bit, but she didn't know right or wrong from it. She just didn't think she liked it. And, but didn't know why, because nobody ever taught her the Bible. See, and that was my pastor's fault. See? Amen? Talk to me now. Talk tape and go home. Where you go home? Kill the tape, brother. <laughs>